Welcome back, everyone, to the Straight Up Sports Talk podcast. Another episode of Monday Mayhem coming at you. We're actually recording this in the morning. Sam's got me up early. We normally don't record this this afternoon, but Sam, uh, I guess it's good morning to you. Mm-hmm. you know, people it won't is. be hearing this in the afternoon, but good morning. It was a good week into the NFL. Got any like uh, first thoughts on this beautiful Monday morning? Oh man, watching well, I I will say watching that Cowboys game was very difficult. Like I thought the Cowboys even without the loss of Dak, Dak Prescott would at least put up a fight. They didn't even really do that. They put in Ben DiNucci in the third quarter or fourth quarter whatever it was. It was just a sad game to watch. I feel bad for Zeke. I feel I I just feel bad for the Cowboys in general. Yeah. And Andy Dalton going down with a with a head injury. Uh, with a, a terrible cheap shot um, by Washington, it, it was just bad to see. The Cowboys have been beat up all year long, and uh, we'll get into that discussion a little bit later on if the Cowboys should just tank the rest of the season and go for a good draft pick. We'll get into that. We got a lot to get to today. College football, obviously, IU taking down Penn State was a major storyline. Uh, Michigan winning in their first outing of the year. Oklahoma State skating by Iowa State. Uh, We'll get to our locks of the week, what we liked, what we didn't like from the weekend. Uh, The Bills getting it done without scoring a touchdown this weekend. All of that to come on this episode of Monday Mayhem. So let's get started with some college football conversation, Sam. IU, Indiana University, taking down the ninth-ranked, now 18th ranked Penn State Nittany Lions 36 to 35 the first game of the year in Bloomington um, it was a great IU played that game as best as they could I mean they played a near flawless game against Penn State um, and IU got it done so what do you take away from this from this IU win like what does this mean for Indiana moving forward in particular this season and in in future seasons. I think it means that people need to calm down. I get it. It's a great win. IU hasn't been able to get it done in the past versus big names in the Big Ten. They just haven't. Eight and five last year. Like It it was a solid season last year, and it's an impressive win. But to say that IU is just some sort of contender now is ridiculous until they can prove it. Yes, they did beat number 7 Penn State, which is phenomenal. But looking ahead, you've got the likes of Michigan who just just trounced Minnesota. You've got Ohio State and Wisconsin all in the season. So I, I don't think we can just jump to conclusions and be like, oh, this IU team's phenomenal. They're just going to go run the table this season. I think we need to slow down a little bit and give IU some time to figure it out because what we don't want to happen is IU to be just full of themselves and then come into uh, Michigan or at Michigan State, which seems to be a winnable game after watching this past week's game, Michigan State losing uh, to Rutgers. And them them just falling short because we because it was an impressive win, but I don't think we should jump the gun just yet. I, I agree with that. I'm going to take a bit of a different approach to that in saying IU has been looking for a season to kind of turn the tide, to turn the scope of Indiana. Last year they won eight games, and that was very impressive, but they fell short in the Gator Bowl. So. They've been looking for something to turn that tide. Last season, they got ranked for the first time. This year, they're ranked after week number one. So they've been looking for 
that win or that game or that season really to turn the tide and to turn the narrative about IU football because when you look when you look at past games against Penn State I think we all knew this would be a close game first game of the season and IU always plays Penn State very very well I think the total amount of points of the game has been decided from the past three meetings including the one this weekend is now seven points I think is what or, or 14 some somewhere's around in there uh, between like seven and 16 points I can't remember quite exactly but it's close so IU has been looking for that season now Literally everything is in front of them. If you want to use the term they're playing with house money, you can because they're 1-0 after beating an 8th-ranked Penn State team. Now, you have a you have Rutgers next week. It's the battle of the undefeateds. And Rutgers, they went into Michigan State and, and caught them off guard. So if you're IU, you have to take the exact same approach to next week's game as you did Penn State. You cannot overlook Rutgers. You can't overlook anybody this year. It is a different season. Teams are are maybe playing with a newfound appreciation for football. So you cannot overlook anybody. I think you got to keep your head down, keep your your your, your feet on the grindstone, and, and and just grind away at this season because it is not an easy schedule. You have Rutgers next week. You have Michigan the week after. Michigan State the week after that, and then you get a date with Ohio State. So if, if you're IU, if you really want to prove yourself as a contender in the Big Ten, as a team that should be relevant in the Big Ten, you go into Ohio State with a 4-0 record. Not saying it's possible. It is an overreaction Monday. But if you want to, to make some buzz and, and to make some noise, you go into Ohio State with a 4-0 record. I think it's possible at this point based on the way they play, played Penn State, it is very, very possible. To be fair for Michigan State, it was an awful loss. But at the same time, they're coming up with a new head coach, Mel Tucker, in this weird 2020 season that is this conference-only just weirdness. And to be fair to them, Rutgers got it done, and congrats to them. But I don't think it's as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. And like you said, they, they need to make a statement. They need to... They need to at least beat one of the Michigans, I'd say, in the next two weeks to make a statement. They definitely need to beat Rutgers. And then make it, I, I'm not saying they'll win or by even close against Ohio State at Ohio State with Justin Fields and whatnot, but they need to at least make it competitive. I'm not saying it has to be within a single score, but at least two scores to prove that this team is uh, not not the top of the top, but in the uh, getting closer to the upper tier because I think this is what this year's all about because what else are you playing for? I don't think um, IU really, in a division where you've got Michigan, Ohio State, Rutgers, Penn State, so Michigan State, Maryland, you're really playing for the uh, Big Ten Championship, but at least you could be you could be thought of as a potential contender moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, like you mentioned, beating one of the Michigans, you currently have three remaining games against ranked teams on your schedule as it stands here on October 26th. So if you can go in and and, and kind of wreck some havoc in that schedule and, and, and go – uh, win six games. I think you're going to be set up for success um, in the future. And I think I think Tom Allen is a phenomenal head coach as well. I, I noticed on on Saturday that all of the um, Tom Allen haters that say he's a glorified high school coach those those guys kind of went away on Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's a great head coach. I think he's got that locker room where he wants them. He he brings great energy. If you saw the post game 
it, it is just true, genuine coaching. He loves his players. The players love him. They, I, I believe right now, Indiana football is 110% bought into Tom Allen. They're bought into the to the program, and they're bought into the way they're doing things. So I, I think IU could, could be set up for yet another successful season. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Sam, let's move on. Let's talk about the other team, another team in Indiana, I should say. Uh, Notre Dame, they stopped Pitt on Saturday, 45-3. to Now, I don't know about you, Sam, but I'm having a hard time figuring out this Notre Dame mm-hmm. team for this year. Yeah. I I would say just slow the roll because they did play a backup quarterback, but it was a much-needed just dominating win from the, the program perspective. Looking outside, uh, looking outside from the program, like, they've been struggling this season to get it done against winnable games. You look at the Duke game and the Louisville as two prime examples of games they should have easily won, but it kept it close against Louisville, only a five-point win, Duke a 14-point victory. Now you got Georgia Tech, which should be a definite winnable game, and then you've got to go into Clemson. So my one real issue is heading into Clemson, who have you really faced that is up to your competition level up until that point. They've played down to their competition level all this season, essentially. So when facing a Clemson who's arguably above your your competition level, who's really giving you a test to prepare you for Clemson? Nobody. And I think that's what's the issue of um, when they've had to play the Clemsons and the Alabamas before. They haven't. They didn't face anybody that was up to that standard, so they weren't prepared for them. And I think that's the issue. Of course, you got NC, uh, North Carolina later in the season, but that's not before the Clemson game. So I think it's going to be really challenging to uh, come off wins of Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, Florida State, Louisville, South Florida, and Duke. And all due respect to those programs, they're not Clemson. And I think it's going to be really hard for Clemson or Notre Dame to keep it really close to Clemson when they haven't played anybody. Yeah, it, it, it will be. Uh, like you mentioned, they, they haven't had a, a, a test for Clemson. Mm-hmm. And Clemson is, is the cream of the crop. They are the best team in, in uh, college football right now and arguably the NFC East. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just think that, that Notre Dame game against Clemson, if Notre Dame can come out and make it a two-score game in the fourth quarter, I think that, that, that you consider that a success and move on with your day because I don't think anybody's beating Clemson this year. They have been fantastic. We'll see what Notre Dame brings on Halloween against Georgia Tech. Uh, moving on, Purdue gets gets it done against Iowa um, in a close game there. Uh, Purdue trying to bounce back from a lousy season uh, last year, trying to bounce back and uh, kind of prove the doubters um, this season. Yeah, uh, I was. Uh, we talked about the game last episode, and I thought I was going to handle business because I was. I was, as I mentioned last episode, in that little weird class where they always seem to be contender, even though no one picks them to be. But like I, Purdue got it done. They were struggling last season, as you mentioned. I didn't expect it to get it done. I'm going to give them a few more weeks. Like IU, I feel like I feel like week one should kind of not be just like thrown out, but just like. It was, it was one week. That's not enough sample size for me to just judge this team's like year off of. They've got another decent test against Illinois, followed by Wisconsin. So I'm going to wait till after that Wisconsin um, win, who, who the, apparently they have a uh, phenomenal redshirt a freshman quarterback who looked phenomenal week one. So I'm going to wait until after that game to just like judge this Purdue season. Yeah, Purdue has a pretty favorable schedule. They play Illinois. Uh, next week, and then they go to Wisconsin. But uh, Wisconsin, um, 
his, their quarterback, Graham Mertz, tested positive for COVID-19 over the weekend. So we'll see how that situation develops. He'll most likely be out for this weekend, um, and, and they'll have to confirm that it was indeed positive and not a false positive. Um, so we'll just see the what uh, where this takes us because this could um, this could uh, affect future weeks and especially Wisconsin playing um, in in you know even next week if, if more teams get affected Wisconsin played Illinois on Friday so we'll just follow that situation but Purdue with a more favorable schedule after Wisconsin played Northwestern Minnesota Rutgers Nebraska. Um, so a pretty favorable schedule for the Boilermakers, and then they go to IU for the last game of the year. Um, we'll, we'll continue to follow that and continue to, to watch that as the season goes on. Big Ten football being back this weekend was just absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, watching the SEC and some of the ACC games and some of the Big 12 games have been good, but Big Ten football is just a totally different animal. It's, it's a totally different atmosphere, vibe style of play in my opinion i just thought it was fun to watch this weekend no doubt and we got maxion coming back and i believe nine days so that'll add to the fun of it we got basically everything back i is is there any is there any league that we're missing because the pac-12 will be coming back eventually mountain west is coming back group of five i think everything should be back i think everything is is back in in some form Mm -hmm. or fashion so yeah it is it is really good to see and Say, I mean, less than a month here, November 25th, the start of college basketball season. So uh, we've got that coming. It's going to be a fun time, uh, and we can't wait to cover it. And and, uh, we we thank you guys for for tuning in all of the time. Uh, Michigan, real quick, last last touch on college football before we get to the crazy NFL weekend. Michigan, there's always a debate every year. Are they for real? They they came in ranked 21st against Minnesota, I think, or or somewhere up there. They trampled Minnesota 49 to 24. Now they're ranked 13th. What 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 can you make of this Michigan team? Obviously, it's just a one game. You can't really judge a book by its cover. But what what can you make of the Wolverines this year? I mean, they had a phenomenal game. What can you say? 25 against PJ Flex Minnesota, who's who was just last year a, a potential college football player playoff contender. So Tanner Morgan obviously didn't have the best days. 18 of 31, 197 yards and touchdown interception. And it was just it was just an impressive win all around. There's not much more to say that. But I will say what's interesting is the road ahead, like we've been mentioning with the IU and Purdue. If I don't know whether you follow Rich Eisen or not, he's a Michigan alum. He was kind of complaining about the um, schedule difference between Michigan and that of Ohio State because a Michigan moving forward, literally every single game, but uh, but Maryland. They played got or uh, is ranked. So you got IU, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. So that's not going to be an easy task. And for Michigan to declare themselves actually real, I think I think you potentially have to beat all of them, wouldn't you? If if you want to consider yourself real, because you you the the common criticism about Michigan is they can't get it done against Ohio State, they can't get it done against Michigan State back when Dan Tony was around. So like, I think they have they basically have to win out for them to be considered real, whether the schedule's fair or not. Yeah, my opinion is, and Michigan, my opinion is Michigan's season doesn't matter if they don't beat Ohio State. Like, mm. I, I feel like 
when when we look back on on past seasons, or it, you know, when it comes February, and we're looking back on on the season. When you talk about Michigan, you don't talk about a blowout win against Minnesota. You don't talk about a win, you know, maybe against Wisconsin. You talk, did they beat Ohio State? No. Okay, that tells me all that I need to know. And in Michigan and Ohio State, and this has been brought up. This was brought up last year. They're not in the same category. They're not Michigan. I don't think compete. They don't compete with Ohio State. Or they haven't for the past several years. So it is going to be hard for Michigan. They have a tough schedule, like you mentioned, but they have you know all of the resources and tools in front of them to go out and, and win and make it a successful season. But again, ultimately it comes down to can they beat Ohio State? And right now it's looking like no because Ohio State is looking very, very, very good this season. Um, and, and and so we'll see we'll see what happens there. But again, Michigan, it's going to be hard for them um, to to. It's going to be hard for them to beat Ohio State this year, in my opinion. Let's get to some NFL, Sam. Um, over the weekend, uh, we had a great slate of games that we're going to get to. Uh, Antonio Brown, though, on I believe it was Saturday, came out and said that he will join Tampa Bay in week number nine, I believe it is, is when he's cleared to come back when his suspension is up. Um, he will join Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. He will join that Super Bowl hunting squad. Uh, your opinion on A.B. going down to join TB. I mean, it's just a matter of depth, really, and and I think this comes down to potential because if if this is 2017, the Tampa Bay offense would be a dream squad, whether it's LaShawn McCoy, Leonard Fournette, I believe got drafted that year, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Robert Gronkowski. If this was back in 2017, this, this team is absolutely loaded, and it still technically is just at a lesser degree, and Antonio Brown, it's all about potential because if he can get back to that form of once was, we saw that one game sample size with New England where he looked very impressive. If he can get back to there, then I think this team this team is a potential dream team. But until he gets back there, until he proves it, and we can see that kind of chemistry with um, uh, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, I, like, I don't think we can just jump to conclusions and say this is a, a massive signing for uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, I don't think we can either. It is, it is like you said, a matter of depth, a matter of getting an extra body there because what do Super Bowl winning teams have? They have depth. They have backup plan after backup plan after backup plan, and, and they're able to, to plug those in at a, at a moment's notice and be successful with them. We've seen that with Kansas City. We've seen that with New England in the past. We've seen that, you know, even with Philadelphia and Carson Wentz going down. But uh, the big thing for me is, can Antonio Brown be good off the field? Is, how, you know, how upset is he going to get when he has a two-catch game or when he's only targeted once or when he only plays for 25% of the snaps? Bruce Arians told him, he said, be a team player or leave. Bruce Arians ain't going to put up with that. He's not going to put up with a personality. He doesn't. He just That's Bruce Arians. You're coming to win. And, and hopefully Antonio Brown understands that, but I'm worried because, um, you know, he is going to be playing with Rob Gronkowski, with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin. So it is going to be hard to work him into that offense. He's not going to come day one and be the WR1. He's just not. He's not going to be Tom Brady's go-to. With Tom Brady, we've seen he, you have to earn his trust. You have to earn um, Brady's trust in you. Um, and, and if you get off to a bad foot with him, he's just not going to throw to you. Now, him and Brady are pretty good friends, but I'm just curious to see 
where this takes him off of the field. And and like looking at this past season, Tampa Bay has been dealing with injuries to their receiving core. I believe Ron Gronkowski has been dealing with a little bit of a shoulder issue. Still been able to play whatnot. Mike Evans, you can clearly see that he's just not the same Mike Evans that he was. He's dealing with some ankle injury. He, he's always lumping off the field. Not looking that same explosive Mike Evans that he is. Chris Godwin's been hurt this season. So I think this just, this just bolsters the offense to the point where Mike Evans doesn't have to do as much with whatever he's doing. With if Chris Godwin goes down, he can step up and replace him. Scotty Miller's um, just kind of come, uh, just come out swinging this season and develop chemistry with Brady. One on, he's been targeted a lot. So I think I think this helps Tampa Bay in the sort of if one of their receivers goes down, they could just plug him in and play because Mike Evans just two catches, thirty-seven yards really hasn't been utilized other than the goal line targets. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where they where they put him in this offense, how they work him in. Uh, but the Bucks are looking very, very good at this point of the season. After a big blowout win against the Raiders, which I thought the Raiders had a good chance to win, but the Raiders have kind of fallen back now, and we'll see where that takes him. Uh, let's talk about some games from this weekend, Sam. Uh, you start with a Thursday night NFC East Mega Bowl. Eagles 22, Giants 21. Carson Wittstown Five and zero on Thursday night football is a good game to watch. It was a good Thursday night, you know. Sit back, watch. I think the World Series was on, you know. Kind of, you know, I was kind of flipping back and forth. Overall, pretty good game. Um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Falcons, Sam. Mm-hmm. If they could shorten the game to like 45, 50 minutes, I think they'd be okay with that. Yeah. And last weekend, or la- yesterday, I should say was a perfect example of that. I mean, just a perfect example of that because they had the lead. And and no, it wasn't a big lead, but they had a lead. But the Lions come back 23-22 to 22 and win it. Um, and and it, I can't even say it was a good game because you just knew what was going to happen there at the end. Yeah, but it's just like – but it it wasn't it wasn't the coaching staff's fault for Todd Gurley going into the end zone because I'm sure they had those talks. But when he felt like the thing is, uh, you saw with the Rams, I believe it was like a couple of seasons ago. The the Rams were up by a lot. And Todd Gurley had a chance to score and he just slid down immediately on like the 20 yard line or not because they didn't need to score. And in this situation, I don't know what Todd Gurley is thinking. If you go back and watch that game, he actually had to break a tackle in order to score that touchdown before they let him walk in the end zone. And it's just like, like, why? You're, you've are you been in the league for, I don't know how long Todd Gurley's been, but he's been there long enough to know the situation. Look on that clock. We're only down by one. We just need a field goal. Don't give this offense. So if I made it. Sorry, my computer just decided to scream at me. Uh, that was interesting. But, yeah, he, he knows well enough not to go in the end zone. And I wouldn't put this more on the Falcons, which I, I could easily. It's it's Todd Gurley's fault. That's at the end of the day. You had a chance to win. You had a chance to knock it down to whether it's uh, the final seconds or 30 seconds or whatever it was, and he just blew it for him. Yeah, he, he really did. It was uh, not good to see the Falcons continue to struggle, honestly, at this point. Throw the bag in, get a good draft pick, I think is where they're at at this point in the season. Let's talk about the battle of the undefeateds. Pittsburgh, three-point winners over the Titans. Pittsburgh was up at this game at one point, 27-7. They looked like they had the game in, in the grasp, 10-26 to go in the third quarter. 
They were up by 20. The Titans come all the way back, big in part thanks to A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry. They get it to 27-24, and then Steven Guskowski comes out to tie the game. One of the greatest all-time ever kickers comes out to tie the game, and he can't. He can't do it. Um, he, he misses, and Pittsburgh goes on to win. The Steelers only scored three points in that second half of play, but they got the win, and now they're 6-0. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at um, Gostowski's stats, and let's let's be frank, it's not exactly pretty this season. 2020 stat, field goal percentage, 62.5%. That's basically, that's a little bit more than one out of every two. It's last in the league. When you look at his extra point percentage, 24th in the league, uh, his length and his points is uh, not really relevant. But the point remains is Gostowski hasn't, has been troubling this season has been troubling this Titans team since week one. We talked about the um, missing those three field goals before hitting the game winner. The the Titans would have had that game out of the bag if he would have just hit those field goals. And it just seems like as great as Gostowski is, he's hurting this team more than he's worth. And I'm sure you can find another kicker. Like the Jags have gone through like six different kickers and whatnot. Like there's kickers out there that can give you the production you need and you probably don't have to pay him as much. Yeah. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see where they go with the kicker situation. Because like you mentioned, he has not been that reliable. He's had a couple game-winning field goals, but um, has not been that reliable. Uh, but the Steelers, though, the last time two teams met that were 5-0, and the winner of that game went on to the Super Bowl. Are you buying into the Steelers right now? I'll tell you what, Sam. I will give you... The Steelers, if, if I told you, I'll give you the Steelers and I'll take the rest of the AFC to represent in, in the Super Bowl, are you taking that right now as the Steelers sit here at 6-0? I'm not taking that. For whatever reason, like, the Steelers get it done. And it's like this game was more impressive to me than anything, any other one that they've had. They had a 27-0 or 27-7 lead against the Titans, who were five and zero at the time, and they held on for the win. And I think that speaks more to the team than any other win that they had before, whether it's the Eagles, the Browns, whatever the case is. But I, I don't know. I just can't buy in this team for whatever it is. I don't know what's holding me back. But I'm just looking at the rest of the divi- the teams. You still got Kansas City. You've got Baltimore. You've got Bills who are in a little bit of a slump. Who had a weird game against the Jets for whatever reason. They they managed to keep it close. You still got the Browns at five and two. You've got the Colts at four and two. Like I'm not I'm not ready to buy this team as just the top of the the top of the top of this uh, conference yet for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a I, – I do, I do agree with that. There has kind of been a cautiously optimistic kind of view on the Steelers this year. It's kind of been like, okay, yeah, but it feels like they're in this position last year, and then they kind of fell apart. They got injuries. Can Big Ben stay healthy? But Big Ben is looking just absolutely fantastic right now. He's playing at, you know, our, you could say the top of his game. He's got weapons around him. Chase Claypool has came out and been fantastic for this team. The defense is very, very good. But, uh, like you said, there is some concern. Can they stay healthy? Uh, what What is, you know, what do other teams in the AFC have for them? And we'll find out. The Steelers are on bye this week, uh, but then they will play the Ravens on November 1st. Uh, so we will get, you know, kind of a first-hand account and, and see 
um, how good they really are. Because the Ravens are good, and they are kind of flying under the radar. I feel like at this point they're on bye this week, but uh, we'll see. And I think the, the schedule for the Steelers for the rest of the season is is favorable uh, for them uh, to, to to win a lot of games. But we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens with that uh, and, and with the Steelers. I, I am riding high on the Steelers. I think they're very, very good right now. Uh, definitely the favorite for me currently in the AFC. Um you go to the other side of their division in the AFC North, or not the other side, but the next uh, team down, the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. They contenders or pretenders? They almost blew it against the Bengals, but they won. Mm-hmm. They're five and two, I think, at this point. Um, they're playing. They're playing very well. Yeah, no doubt. They're they're playing. They're Four playing two at this point. They're playing better than expected. I think uh, Stefanski has more wins than Hugh Jackson did in his entire career, which is or with the Browns, I should say, which is insane. But with the uh, with the falling out of Odell with his uh, season-ending injury, the ACL, it, the offense is going to have to take a hit. Like I understand, Rashard Higgins stepped up for this game, but do we honestly expect Rashard Higgins to step up every week? as that OBJ fill-in, because let's be honest, Rashard Higgins isn't a number two receiver by any means. No disrespect to him. I just don't think he can step up to that level. He could prove me wrong. And they still got weapons around, whether it's Nick Chubb, uh, who's dealing with that injury, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, who's also dealing with an injury. Harrison Bryant came on, David Njoku. Like, they've still got weapons, so it's a little bit of a concern. But, yeah, I... I don't really know what to make of this team because they shouldn't have kept the game as close as they did against the Bengals. Joe Burrow was playing out of his mind for whatever the reason was. And they, they've they had good wins against the Colts and whatnot, but they've also had a bad 30-point loss against the Steelers and a bad 30-point loss against the Ravens. So at this point, I'm going to have to say pretender at this point. Yeah, I, I want to say I think the, the injury of Odell Beckham um, – does hurt them and it does kind of affect this contender pretender debate but when you look at their schedule Raiders up up uh, in uh, Raiders up this week Texans Eagles Jags Titans those are all winnable games the Titans is going to be a tough one Ravens Giants Jets Steelers so there is potential for them to win 10 games no, no. but 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 like you mentioned Playoffs is yeah, going to be a whole different animal. Yeah. Um, and even getting into the playoffs mm-hmm. is going to be a whole different animal. You've got Baltimore right now at 5-1 and one, coming off of a bye week. Um, they're looking very good. So, I, I, and I, the AFC is so good, I don't know if we'll see a, a, a league or a division with um, two or three teams coming out of that division. You do have the expanded playoffs, and we'll get into that a little bit uh, when – uh, we we talk about playoffs, but it is going to be interesting to see where where it, where it goes. Yeah, and I, I think I think the important distinction is I'm not saying they can't reach the playoffs. That's not the issue. They're five and two right now. I'm looking at like the playoff like um, bracket if things ended right now, and the Cleveland Browns would be uh, number six of um, seven, followed by the Colts at seven. And I'm not saying they can't get into the playoffs. I'm just saying I'm not sure I'm going to buy into them being a deep contender come playoff time because I think I think you can easily get wins against the Jags and the Browns and all, all those kind of mediocre teams 
but can you beat the Baltimores who you lost to the 30, Steelers by 30? Can you beat the Chiefs? Can you beat the Titans? Can you beat the Bills? Uh, can you beat the uh, Raiders, for example, who look who look off and on at times? I think that's what it comes down to when you talk about pretender and contender. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with that. Let's get to the Sunday night game before we get out of here today, Sam. Cardinals-Seahawks, it was an amazing game. Went into Monday morning. Um, the Cardinals, though, getting it done. This was a big statement win for Arizona in you know another contender-pretender debate. Oh, no doubt. Uh, I, I, when uh, Isaiah Simmons made that overtime pick to lead to that uh, Zane Gonzalez um, field goal, I, I, I completely forgot he was even on that team, to be honest, because it just seems like everybody else on that defense has stepped up. Buda Baker just has made plays after play. Uh, Byron Murphy, that corner, has just made play after play. And this team is for real. And when you look at, yes, they did have that too bad stretch against the Lions and Panthers, but against their divisional opponent, what you could argue is the toughest division. So far, they're two for two against the, the 49ers who were coming off that Super Bowl appearance, and now the Seahawks who are who were undefeated coming into this game. So I think, I think people need to look at this team as uh potential contenders because they did have two bad weeks but i think in those two bad weeks they figured out what they needed to fix and they did they ran off uh two solid 20 plus point wins against the jets and cowboys which considering they were without uh, Dak prescott it doesn't mean much but this seahawks win i think proves that this cardinals team is better than people think they yeah i agree they'll get them again um in three weeks they'll play them again uh, but this game was full of just playmakers uh, and, and plays. DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker on that near pick six by Russell Wilson. He And it saved him points. The Cardinals didn't get any points out of that. Uh, they went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. So that was a big play in the game. Zane Gonzalez misses a field goal with two... 30 left in overtime, something like that, 250, something somewhere around uh, that two-minute time frame. But he missed the field goal, and you thought, oh, the game is over. All Russell Wilson has to do is get him into field goal range, kick a field goal, and they're out of here. No, he throws an interception, the Cardinals, and you then you put your faith in your kicker, Zane Gonzalez, again. He makes it, they win, you miss, you tie, and he makes it. It was just a, a game full of just big plays. And Tyler Lockett had an amazing game for the Seahawks. Yeah, no doubt. I, th- I think the Seahawks definitely put up put up a good fight. I will say Russell Wilson kind of underwhelmed me with the amount of just poor passes that he threw, whether it was the almost pick six to Buda Baker, whether it was that Isaiah Simmons pick, where which I didn't really know who he was targeting at the time. Like, he, he, of course, put up the stats, 388 yards, three touchdowns. That has to do with, I think, mostly Tyler Lockett, who had 200 yards, three touchdowns, 15 catches, like phenomenal day. But Russell Wilson just like kind of took a step back from his, like, of course he's still going to be an MVP contention because he deserves to be, but he kind of took a step back in my mind with this game. Yeah, he did. I mean, he had a big chance to solidify himself as the mm-hmm. MVP, but he kind of took a step back. It's going to be an interesting race for MVP. I think there's several uh, contenders for that, and, and I think it's going to be fun to watch. All right, Sam, uh, before we get out of here this evening, you got anything else uh, that, that we need to talk about uh, from this weekend in the NFL? I think – 49ers Patriots was a big one that we needed to talk about because the 49ers who I think people were hating on two weeks ago because they had that um, awful loss 
to the Dolphins, of course, lost by 26 to the Dolphins, but have rattled off a, a solid win against the Rams by 8 and the Patriots against 33-6. to six. And, I, and I mentioned this, uh, my friend Caleb, looking uh, back, like Jimmy G in that win, he even mentioned before practice, like he wasn't looking good at all. He was still recovering from that injury. He came in and he stunk the bet. Now that he's had time to recover, get back into his groove, like this 49ers team, look at the record, are, is 4-3, and three, of course. But with everybody slowly coming back from injuries, you got Debo Samuel returned from injury, Jimmy G and all that. Of course, they've lost their two defensive stars on the defensive side of the ball on the edge. But this team should not be taken lightly. Anybody in the NFC West should not be taken lightly. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, the uh, Yeah, the 49ers, like you mentioned, uh, they go in, Jimmy G gets it in his return to New England. Do the Patriots go a different direction in quarterback now? I think that, that conversation has to come up because they are um, they're not winning. And, and for Patriots fans, that's just absurd to think of. And the other debate that's going to come out of New England is, well, it was all Tom Brady because we knew this year we were going we were going to find out. Everybody was was wondering. Is it Bill Belichick that propped Tom Brady up all these years? Or was it Tom Brady that carried everybody and was a real star of the show? The Patriots are now 2-4, and four, and the Bucks are, what, 5-1, 6-1 after yesterday? So it will be very interesting to see where that debate goes because I think that's going to be a fun one to follow. I will say, though, Jarrett Stidham had his chance yesterday and didn't prove anything either. So to say, yeah, we're going to bench Cam Newton, who they could easily just bench because they didn't pay him anything. Essentially, they pay him the minimum. But, <coughs> but to say you want to uh, – Cam Newton <coughs> – sorry about that. Cam Newton had three picks, of course, on 50 attempts, which isn't good. But Jarrett Stidham, 6 of 10, 64 – um, yards and a pick. Does that does that strike confidence? A QB a rating of thirty nine point two and a QBR four. Like that doesn't strike confidence. So I think you just ride it out with Cam Newton. See where it takes you. You only have him for a year. If it if it doesn't work out, you just move forward. You you either rides Jared Stidham out for the future, or you just um um or you draft another guy. And I th- I think to say like. Cam Newton should be benched is a little bit of reach. Yes, two and four is bad, but I don't think Jarrett Stidham is the answer right now. No, he's not. And um, when you look at, at teams that are losing, they will plug in other quarterbacks just to see. So that's why I brought up that conversation is when when teams are losing, you always want to change. You always want a different look of scenery. Mm-hmm. All right, Sam, let's get out of here t- today. Um, got, anything, got anything else? Any final comments from uh, week seven in the NFL? We still got one more game tonight, but uh, yeah, week seven in the NFL pretty much wrapped up. Um, not really. I was disappointed in uh, Zeke's performance for my fantasy football, but other than that, still got the win, still happy about that. Other than that, not really. Um, yeah, I think that wraps, about wraps it up. Had a, had a pretty fun weekend watching Big Ten and NFL this weekend. Yeah, it was a good weekend. And, hey, in other news, the AFC South for the Colts, they were on bye this week. Every team in the AFC South except the Colts lost this week. Mm-hmm. That is good news for the Colts. They'll be back in action next week, um, and it should be fun to watch um, the Colts get back in action after the bye week. They are in Detroit to take on the Lions, so we'll, we'll prepare you for that game on Friday with weekend prep. Uh, don't forget to tune in there. We'll talk the college football slate. We'll talk the Big Ten slate, the SEC, uh, Notre Dame, everything we get to on a Friday. Um 
and as long as our NFL, our lock it down conversation. I went 0-2 this week. Sam's hoping to go uh, 2-0 tonight. The Bears have to cover uh, plus six against the Rams, so we'll see if they can do that. Thanks for tuning in. For Sam Thelman, I'm Grant Kobe. Follow us on Twitter and uh, stay up to date on the latest episodes. Till then, have a great day.